Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. This episode is sponsored by All Call Technologies. All Call Technologies is a HIPAA-compliant virtual receptionist that allows for customized voicemail boxes that can ring to your clinician's cell phones. I use it, and seriously, I love it. Clinicians can call back from their cell phones and have the office number show up, which is an awesome feature. Go to www.allcalltechnologies.com backslash group MHP and put in the code TGPE, that's TGPE, for $50 off your setup. Hey everyone, today I want to talk about a few tips that I have for cultivating a positive workplace culture in your group practice. And I've split this up into two categories. For those of you that have independent contractors, I talk a little bit about some of the tips that I have for cultivating a good workplace environment with your independent contractors. And then I'm going to talk about how to cultivate that positive workplace culture with your employees if you have employees. Because as we know, the way we treat our independent contractors is going to be a little bit different than how we treat our W-2s. So I wanted to kind of make a distinction, even though there will be some things that cross over into both categories. I'm going to, for the purpose of making it easy for you to kind of weed out what is important for you to listen to and, and what might not work for you, I've separated them into the independent contractor and W-2 categories. So let's start with independent contractors. Um, I have, I think, four tips for creating a positive working environment for your independent contractor so that you have the highest rate or ability of being able to keep and retain independent contractors for a longer period of time versus having, you know, this revolving door where people are coming and going, filling up and leaving. Um, my first one is to have clear systems in place. Less mess equals a better experience. So um, what I mean by this is obviously there's a little bit of a difference with your independent contractors with how many systems you can have in place, but it's not, it doesn't need to be free and kind of willy nilly where everyone can do their own thing. Everybody likes order, whether they say it or not. And having some systems in place in your practice that everyone understands that's clear when it comes to when notes are due or um, how payments are taken, there should be a clear system that can be repeated over and over again so that everyone knows what's expected of them when it comes to who's taking payment, how payment is taken, and where they're supposed to put it. So take a look at all your systems that you have in your group practice and make sure that all of your independent contractors understand what is expected of them within those systems and what's expected of you as the group practice and try to make those systems as clear as possible, as precise and as simple as possible because that's going to create a better experience for your independent contractors. The second thing is providing autonomy and space. Obviously, if you have independent contractors, they should be in their own business providing work for your business. So you want to make sure that you're giving them as much autonomy and space to practice and do their jobs as freely as they can. And, um, you know, we see this in 
with different group practice owners that we talk to that some people are really restrictive with, um, you know, what they want their independent contractors to do and what they don't want them to do. Um, so you really want to make sure that you're one, that you've talked to an attorney who has gone over with you what you can dictate and what you can't with your independent contractors. But at the end of the day, people want their autonomy. They want to be able to be who they are, to practice the way they want to practice. And if there's something that you want to restrict, like you don't want to have biofeedback in your practice, um, you want to make sure that you're, and I'm just using that as an example, you want to make sure that you're um, having something on paper that expresses that that's a style of therapy that doesn't fit the model of your business or whatnot. Um, because you get into sticky waters if you have someone then that you've, you know, you have as an independent contractor who utilizes biofeedback, for example. So um, make sure that you are, one, have everything that you do and don't want within your practice outlined, and that two, um, that you then allow your independent contractors to truly practice autonomously and that they have the space to kind of work in that sort of way. And that leads into my next thing, which is creating a peaceful environment uh, for them to do their work. And so what I mean by that is um, that the space, the physical space that they're working in, that it's clean, that they come into it and it's taken care of, that printers function, that lights are working, that, um, you know, what the space offers is what they need to do their work. Um, and this might vary based off of the type of uh, structure that you have with your group practice. There are some people who, um, you know, have an empty office that they allow their independent contractor to furnish themselves. Um, so obviously in those cases, the lights and lamps and all that kind of fun stuff would be fixed by the independent contractor. But there are a lot of group practices that have um, a theme or a style that they want the practice itself to look like. And so they have already furnished the areas. And when if that's the case, then you want to make sure because if you have independent contractors and they're not subletters, which are two different things, if they're subletting, then they have an office space and they know to take out their own garbage and to, you know, put a new garbage bag in the garbage can. But if you have independent contractors who are literally coming in to do their work and leaving, you want to make sure that you're creating that environment for them to be able to do that without having resentment and anger. Um, and so you know, point three is just make sure that you're creating a, an environment that's peaceful, that's quiet, that allows them to do the work that they are coming to do. And then the last thing is um, modeling healthy boundaries and healthy communication. Um, I see so much uh, talk about unhealthy communication between a business owner or group practice owner and their independent contractors. And we'll talk about this with employees too. It's the same, same thing. But um, the only way that you will ever have an independent contractor communicating with you in a respectful and positive way is if you are starting that conversation. And so the challenge is on you as a business owner to be able to communicate with your independent contractor if an issue arises in a way that is not going to create defensiveness, in a way that isn't going to create animosity, um, because that Bring, it gives the highest likelihood that they will then communicate and return in the same fashion. Obviously, it's not a guarantee. You still may have an independent contractor who up and leaves and takes clients and whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, if you are modeling that 
healthy boundaries, communicating it within, you know, certain time frames and not in the middle of the night or not, um, you know, with two minutes between clients, but really um, setting those boundaries and communicating in a really healthy way, despite what you might be feeling, you're going to create that environment that makes your independent contractors feel safe to come to you if there's an issue or to come to you if they have a question. And it also helps you become a better person. So those are my tips for creating a healthy or positive workplace environment with independent contractors. And I want to now talk about how you can do that if you have employees, because that looks a little different. So with employees, um, again, same as with independent contractors, you want to make sure that you have clear systems in place. Again, less mess in systems equals a better experience for your employees. Uh, The difference here with employees is that you can have more systems in place. You can be as, you know, you can have as many systems as you you want. Um, Whereas with independent contractors, there's less that you can require of them. So you want to, you know, talk to an attorney if you do have independent contractors on what kind of systems you can require your independent contractors to make and which ones you can't. But with employees, you want to make sure that you have a, you know, a workplace uh, flow going on from intake to scheduling to notes to client payments to insurance payments if you take insurance, uh, no-show policies, all of that so that your employees all are doing the same thing over and over without any, um, you know, any changes or the issue comes along when employees are all kind of doing a different thing because they're not quite sure what, you know, you want of them. And it's one of the issues that employees have mentioned uh, when I've talked to them about not liking where they work is that they felt like it was completely disorganized. So I know that as you first start your group practice, you're really starting to put those systems in place. And it could take a couple of years to really understand what systems you even need to put in place um, because it varies so much practice by practice. But start now. The second thing is making sure that you have quality time with each of your therapists um, so that they know that you care about them. And so for me, I always, when I'm not seeing clients, I have my door open. I'm not in my office only to see clients. I um, have set up my, I've made a structure so that I have a lot of free time where I'm doing things like blogging and whatnot, but I can have my door open and people can come in. Um, and I also get in a little earlier and stay a few minutes later after I'm finished with work to see if anyone's door is open and just to pop in and say, Hey, and how are things going and talk about, you know, whatever is kind of the theme of what's going on lately. But you really want to make sure that you have that quality time with each of your uh, therapists at least once a month to be able to, you know, recognize them for being there, their attributes, um, help them with any, you know, things that they need with regards to growth, professional growth, and um, question being able to answer any questions that they have. But really just, it's, it's not meant to be this formal thing, although you can have, you know, formal meetings, but more that you are just there to say hi, that you, that they can come to you, that they feel like you're available to them. Um, I worked at a group practice where the group owner was not available to me or our therapist. And so there was the sense of leaving, you know, leave that person alone. They're busy. They're always doing stuff. And that really doesn't create a positive workplace environment. So if you're going to be a group practice owner, especially with W-2s or employees, you want to make sure that you do put time aside where you can slow down 
and just be available to them because it does make a big difference with regards to them wanting to be motivated to stay, to being motivated to, um, you know, market more and be, you know, in the community more and be invested in your business. Um, and then you also want to make sure that you're giving them space to spread their wings too. Um, I believe fully in autonomy, whether they're independent contractors or employees. Um, and you know, this may be a personal difference with some of you listeners uh, if you have W-2s, but I truly believe that if um, clinicians are able to kind of spread their wings and figure out who they are clinically and be able to practice in that way, they're going to be happier, which means that their clients are going to be happier, which means that it's a trickle-down effect. Um, uh, Going kind of along with point number two is recognizing and celebrating wins and accomplishments. I truly believe that we as group practice owners should be recognizing um, any accomplishments whether it's a certificate or a additional license that they get and really letting everyone know, like, you know, sending an email or having everyone sign a card that says, that's so awesome. You're a CADC now, like congratulations. Or if it's someone's birthday that everyone knows and can recognize that that creates cohesiveness, that brings people together. It makes people become and be invested in the business and in each other. Um, also work anniversaries. I celebrate those. Um, I have, one, two, three, four, five, six this month, um, birthdays and work anniversaries. I've had one, two, three, today's a, a work anniversary for my clinical director. Uh, we've already had another work anniversary on the first of this month and a birthday. And in two days, another birthday, the following day, another birthday, and in about a week, another birthday. So I, you know, make sure to have a card for their birthday or their anniversary, a small gift that is personalized, nothing big, um, for their birthday or their work anniversary. And I make sure to send an email with everyone CC'd as well saying, you know, happy work anniversary. And everyone then gets to respond. And it's like a day of ultimate recognition and, uh, you know, high fives. So everyone loves it. Um, and it's something that's super easy and free to do, and it'll make your employees feel valued. Um, number four for me is um, similar to the independent contractor number four of modeling healthy boundaries and communication. You want to make sure that you're being clear on your needs as a group practice owner so that your employees can be successful at doing what you want them to do. If you aren't clear on the needs that you have for your employees, whether they're the admin or your clinicians, you're likely to be disappointed in them and they're likely to feel that and feel like they don't want to work there anymore. So it's ultimately on you to make sure that you're being clear on what you need from them and that you ask them for feedback on how you're doing. And I know that can be a scary thing because um, you might be opening the door to them giving you feedback, but I truly believe that if you are the one that opens the door to asking for feedback, that the likelihood is, is that they're going to give you feedback in a positive way, in a constructive way that you can then take that information and see if you need to make any changes versus if you assume that you're doing everything right and you ha- wait for them to come to you if there's any problems. What usually happens is that employees, because of the dynamic, are afraid to bring up problems or afraid to bring up uh, constructive criticism and then they wait. And they the longer that they wait, the more resentful they get 
that by the time that they tell you, it's either their foot is out the door or they're really angry. And so the communication is a little bit harder on that end. And so I truly believe that um, part of modeling healthy communication is asking for feedback so that they feel safe to be able to give that to you. And then last is providing quality supervision. Um, And this is either that you're giving that supervision or that you have someone in your practice that's a supervisor and giving supervision. But I think it's really important if you have employees um, to for them to feel invested in the practice, in your practice, supervision is essential. Um, Everyone needs supervision at some point. And knowing that they have a point person to go to, whether that's you or a supervisor in your practice, lets them know that you care about them being able to process things that happen. Um, It's also a good place to be able to talk about growing in terms of a niche area or professional growth, continuing education. And so it's really, I think, a super useful and again, a free thing. It's an hour of your time. You can do it either by having like a weekly, uh, like a staff supervision where you can kind of do them all at once or setting up quarterly or monthly um, office hours, so to speak, where your clinicians can come and kind of get supervision one-on-one. You can be creative with that. We do once per month staff, uh, optional staff supervision where people can come in, our clinicians can come in. I usually order food for lunch and um, they each can talk about case issues and get feedback from each other. Um, But then also I have a clinical director who then gives any individualized attention and supervision. And obviously I'm available whenever she's not or if, uh, you know, my door's open, I always want people to come in. So I really want you to take a look this week at what you're doing to cultivate a positive workplace culture because I think this is so so important. And um, whenever I hear that people are kind of coming and going in a group practice, the first thing that comes to mind is what is going on with the workplace culture that people are coming and going. I know it's not always about culture. It might be that there's not enough referrals or they are moving out of state or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's really important that you're consistently focusing on the workplace culture that you're providing because it all starts with you. It all starts with me, the group practice owner, and making sure that we're giving that positive, we're putting out that positivity so that people feel comfortable and and enriched and feeling like they um, are an important asset or person in the practice. So I want you to take this a little bit of time this week and think about what it is that you're doing and potentially what it is that you can add or start doing to increase the positivity in your workplace. Um, I will see you in a week or so and have a good one. 